and welcome to episode 42 of the 905er podcast. Uh, I'm Roland Tanner. I am Joel McLeod. And today we're, we're going to uh, discuss some of the subjects arising from, from our episode on Tuesday where we spoke to uh, uh, Chair Jeff Knoll, the chair of uh, Halton Police Services Board, also councillor for Oakville's Ward 5, I believe. Um and the uh, uh, you know and our takeaways from that, particularly Joel's takeaways from that, uh, just to uh, clarify why I didn't take part in that interview. There's there's no great secret, but I thought it was a uh, the right thing to do because um, uh, Councillor um, uh, Kroll's uh, wife is a is a client of mine through through uh, work she does for a non-profit organisation uh, in Oakville. So uh, it's you know just. In, for the purposes of complete openness and everything, um, I thought it was a good idea not to take part uh, in that interview. And I'll kind of, to some extent, reserve judgment uh, today. But um, uh, I certainly think, you know, where we've got established facts and um, there's no real uh, debate to be had, so to speak. Uh, we're going to be talking about the wider issues uh, arising from that conversation. I'll, I'll certainly be commenting. So, uh, Joel, how, how did you... Um, think the interview went uh, and what were your takeaways from it um i thought it went uh very well uh, i i know we talked about it off the air that it was kind of what we thought a podcast of this nature uh should be able to do uh, i was happy to have uh channel on to um uh to to ex- just to give the chance to air what why the board made the decision that it did um and i, I wasn't there to to i didn't want to pass judgment or to point fingers and, and lay blame i i'm more i was more curious than ever, anything coming out of the interview um i thought my opinion on some of the issues did change uh based on the information that i received uh, i i i'll be honest I, and it, when i this the story first came uh to light i was angry uh, i was like this is got you got to be kidding me like there's this you know, head should rule for this. This is unacceptable. Da, 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 da. And that, I mean, that was my knee jerk reaction in, in private. And so I was eager to kind of get a chance to hear what the, what the reasoning was. Um, as, as I said, my, a lot of my, my opinions changed and my, my eyes are kind of were open to the bigger issues affecting, affecting us and, and employment and the economy as a uh, COVID-19 continues to rage on. I, I guess, uh, um, and here I'm, I'm just um, kind of paraphrasing the argument as as uh, Councillor Crawl made it. Uh, I'm not <laughs> either supporting nor opposing that, uh, but but ultimately, the uh, uh, because the 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 various levels of government have not actually uh, put in place cast iron regulations that that prevent someone from traveling you cannot um you cannot fire someone for 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 not doing you know with cause for something that is not legally a cause whether you like that or not um and i guess the other probably key argument i i think that uh was made was that um I, i guess almost the don't cut your nose off to spite your face kind of argument that you could fire someone because you're annoyed with them and still end up with a worse chief 
uh, or something like that. You know, again, I'm just trying to put in in a few simple words the uh, the arguments that that were made for anybody who didn't hear that episode. And of course, you can go back and listen to it. Um, well, I thought that, and, was, that was an eye, that was to me that was a uh, an eye opener comment that he made that it was a that they the board was faced with the decision they could have fired Chief Tanner or over using the public outrage as kind of justification. However, they, he did point out that you can't. It's not it's not a position that's like a you know a minimum wage job where you can just say I'm firing you, don't come in tomorrow, you're done, like. You'd have to have, a, as you point out, legally, they'd have to have a hearing. That would cost taxpayers money. Quite frankly, I don't think there's a guarantee that he would be, that there wouldn't be some kind of restitution for it, because there is no law that was being broken. There was no clear regulation or guidance that from the federal government that the uh, chief chairman, again, it was very amb- ambiguous and, and cloudy and murky. And to go into the the legal process of firing somebody of that stature, I mean, we're we're talking a definite investment of tax dollars to do it. And then, you know, do we want? Then we have to go into hiring a new chief of police for for the region. Again, all this is a big is an onerous burden on the taxpayer. Um, so I, I think the board did make the the financially sound choice of saying. No, we're we're not we're not going down that road, um, and and, and it's it, people may not like the answer, but I think it's I think it's a valid one. I do I do think it's something that if you're a a politician, you have to consider. The, you know how how do we spend our tax dollars, and is it that we want to go after fire one person for a bad decision, or do we look for other options? It's and actually, this is honestly. Uh, I'm not making this up. This is honestly something that crossed my mind when, when this, when the initial firing of uh, or resignation, I should say, of Rod Phillips happened. You know, the mm-hmm. political resignations being right, right, uh, happening ten seconds before you're fired. Um, that my thought was, well, okay, it's PC government, not necessarily to my taste, anyway. However. We're annoyed at Rod Phillips for doing a dumb, dumb thing. Inexcusable, not only inexcusable, but he he really made it worse, kind of threw gasoline on, on the fire, so to speak, by you know, staging photographs and and you can say, well, politicians often have photographs taken professionally and done in advance, and sure, yeah, but it was pretty, pretty It was made with the intention that, of covering like, the fact that he was in St. Burns. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was. Um, um, but the question I did ask at the time is like, well, do we have, you know, the day after he resigns, do we have a better, uh, a, a better finance minister now? I doubt it. He's again, I'm not, it's no great secret. My, my view of, of this PC government, however, Rod Phillips ain't one of the basket cases. <laughs> I shouldn't use that phrase. Uh, what, he's not one of the real, Outliers. Uh, I can't remind me who the finance minister is now because it wasn't a name I actually recognized very well. I, I don't um, know off my head myself. I know, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that perhaps tells its own story. Rod Phillips was at least a prominent um, front bencher um, with some clout of his own. So it is, again, is it right? You can take either view, uh, either views. But 
but you do come back to that. Did we cut our nose off to spite our face? That our, our, our anger led us to frying one, no doubt, flawed uh, uh, finance minister and placing it with with someone who, well, I don't know because uh, I don't even know what his name is. But, you know, <clears throat> but I think Councillor Noll had a good, an excellent point of um, – the, the 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 highlight was always the politicians coming back. You had Rod Phillips, uh, Kamal Kara of the Liberal Federal Caucus, losing her parliamentary uh, secretary position, uh, and he, he he. I thought it was a good point that none of them actually lost their jobs. They're still sitting in caucus uh, as a member of their respective parties. They've resigned their positions, these extraneous positions uh, in government. That would earn them, an, you know. They would, yes, they would earn extra pay to sit there, but I mean, they're still they're still earning uh, a nice paycheck as member, as a you know backbench MP or MPP, as it were. But they still have their job. They're still going into work Monday morning, nine a.m., ready to work. We um, lost a little bit of prestige, yeah. but and that and that kind of bring it back to Chief Tanner. It is a point that you know you're talking about taking away somebody's job over a bad decision. And I think we can all agree, it was a very bad decision on the part of Chief Tanner. It was, it was short-sighted and it wasn't well thought out. And quite frankly, yeah, I mean, the, I'm pretty sure, I know if I was a member of the police services board and if it was brought to me, if, if he brought to me his petition, can I go on a vacation? I'd be like, geez, you know, Steve, I don't, I don't think now's a good time. It, it's, you know, I don't. I don't really know how I can how I can sell this to the people when they say, "Hey, where's where's the chief of police?" And I say, "Oh no, he's in Florida." I don't know how I can say, "Yeah, I think it was a good idea right now." And I, so I, I I can understand. I think it's a bad it's a bad decision. I think his I think Chief Tanner's penance, if you will, isn't going to be lose job. It's going to be. And this is a, a question that I followed up with. And what I want to ask is, like, how how does he maintain that position of public leader? Um. Because the public is is angry with him, and rightfully so. There's no, there's no. I'm, I'm not I, I, the the public anger. Like this is a bad decision. This is a bad choice of to do. The public are, are is vocal in their outrage. I get it, and I I'm kind of with them on that. And then you hear from the the chief, uh, sorry, uh, the the union president that the rank and file were upset. And they're like, you, we need you here. And you weren't, you made a bad decision. How do you, as a leader of an organization, the size and prominence of the Halton PD, like how, how do you, how do you move forward as a leader? And that, that to me, I think is his penance is that he's got to re go back to the rest of us and to his subordinates and say, I need to earn back your confidence and your respect as leader. It, that's and that that you might you might say that's a cop but that is not an easy thing to do. That is not an easy thing to do when you've spent I think it was eight years as chief of police and you've built up a reputation and in one action you kind of undercut that. I don't know if that's necessarily an easy thing to do. Time will tell if he's able to do it. I I, I don't know. And I think just just to take it in a slightly uh, different direction. I think I think this has been an interesting exercise for for us uh, as the sort of two people who who uh, kicked off this podcast mm-hmm. because it because it's a classic case of a story that seem and I, I emphasize once again I'm I'm most definitely not 
taking a position on this one because because of the connections I have. It just wouldn't be fair. However, the uh, stories like this, as as we know from sort of our time working with with uh, were well, you working with politicians and me being a hanger on and a volunteer. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of stories have an awful lot more going on underneath the surface than they mm-hmm. do yes. at first glance. And one of the problems with our uh, media, and it's not a criticism, it's just it's just a nature of the beast, um, that traditional television, traditional print media only had so much space per story. Um, you cannot... There was literally no place for the chair of Horton Police uh, um, Services Board mm-hmm. to do a 25-minute interview on CBC. It's not going to happen. It's not even going to happen on CHCH. Um, so that's something we can do. Um, the The judgment that comes from those interviews, to an extent, is not not was well, certainly not ours alone to make. We we can provide a service to to listeners and say, hey. Here's someone who never would have heard directly before speak on the record for half an hour mm-hmm. on a single narrow subject um, that um, that impacts their lives directly. I mean, it. it yeah. I, I I was I'll be honest, I was proud of of the interview that we did. I stand by it. I'm I'm I know I'm not a professional journalist, but quite frankly, these were questions that you and I had been asking ourselves leading up to it, and I know other people. Um, were chiming into us saying, "Yeah, you know, I, I want to know what happened. Like, why? Why does? Um, why didn't they fire him? Why didn't they hang him out to dry?" And you know, I, I, you know, you may not like the answer, but I think the answer is a valid one. I think the answer is a credible one, and I think it it, it was it was an answer that we were able to get because of the format of this podcast. We're we're able to sit down and have those conversations, and the great thing is we. I, you know, we weren't sitting here trying to, you know, pigeonhole the chair into, yeah, I need a, th- I need a 30 second soundbite. You have, you know, one minute to answer, sum up all the nuance of a 20 hour closed door meeting into a one minute soundbite. That's not fair to him. It's not fair to us. And it's not fair to our listeners because I want to get to that nuance. I want to hear that. Yes. You know, pro- I imagine probably behind those closed doors, voices were raised anger. you know, people were just, I am you know, probably using more, more colorful language than we're, we're using now. But, you know, I imagine tempers were raised and, and opinions were shared. And quite frankly, there are a lot of people who are just upset. Like, you know, they don't want to be doing this. This is not what they want to be doing with um, their time and the taxpayer's dollar. And, and, you know, we have bigger things to worry about than, you know, a disciplinary hearing. And, and so, I, you know, I, I, I was appreciative of Councillor Noel to be able to come on and get and provide him a, a, a platform to explain what happened. You may not like the explanation as a as a listener. I respect that, but it is what we got. Well, it, it, it's you may not like the answer, but 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 you got to hear the answer, right? Yes, uh, and that I can't think in Halton at least. I mean, it's slightly different in Hamilton, slightly different in Peel, um, but certainly for Halton. I don't know. What we, there's no radio stations. I mean, actually, today, as it happens, I mean, uh, Bell has just announced the laying off yeah. hundreds upon hundreds of, of journalists, uh, news staff, uh, producers, media, you know, working kind of frontline news people um, across Canada. Um, and that's going to affect 
hundreds of, of uh, sort of local radio stations. Um, so a situation which is already poor just got a whole lot worse. Um, so and it's like, the situation can't get worse in Halton because there is no situation to get worse. Um, the, so uh, again, at least if, if we're if we're able to provide those um, to provide a, an avenue by which people can hear direct from the horse's mouth, so to speak. Uh, and in detail, I mean, again, it's so important that, um, you know, I, 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 we all grew up watching television of kind of those uh, sparring matches between a, a politician trying to say nothing and a journalist trying to get them to say anything. Uh, and that can be very tedious and boring and, and not really uh, helpful. Um, you can do that in a five-minute interview. It's pretty difficult to do it over half an hour. <laughs> well, I, I think um, that's what one of the things that you and I wanted to do with this podcast was to um, provide provide a, a platform for the hard topics. I mean, this wasn't an issue. I, I don't know how you you go on to a, a, a medium like this or like anyone and say, "I have to explain a, a decision that's not popular with the masses." It's whether you're a politician or an, a public official or a business owner or whatnot. If you have to explain, explain, and then stand by that decision, not excuse it away, but you have to say, no, this is why we made the decision. This is what we did. And I'm standing by it and I'm defending it. Um, I do think like you can't do that in a, in a one second, you know, a 30 second or a one minute soundbite. You need, because I think you say, I'm going to, I was proud that we were able to say, we're going to give you your five minutes or 10 minutes or, or however long it takes, explain this decision, explain your answer, go into the nuance, go into the detail. I don't want to hear a 30 second uh, key message soundbite because uh, especially with somebody who was there in the room, right? Somebody who was there, who was in, who was participating in the discussion. I'm not going to give you, I don't want a 30 second soundbite. I want to, I want a detail. I don't, I want to know, how did you reach this this decision? Um, and I think we got it. I think I think we got a, a fair fair response. I, I, and kind of, bring well, it, I, I, I was just going to say to bring it back to the discussion itself. It, it was one of those things that it opened our eyes to, up to. There are bigger forces and bigger issues to play here than just Chief Tanner's poor decision to go to Florida over the holidays. Um, and the same goes with the politicians who are going to trips and to um, other personal outings uh, is that we don't have real clarity on what to do in this pandemic. Uh, the, the fact that, yeah, federally we are allowed to travel. We can. Now I know that re recently the, the, federal government put in the, the guidelines that we are the rules that we now have to house ourselves in a hotel, get a COVID test. And, you know, if we're, if we're clear, we're now we're allowed to leave, but it's all at our own, own expense, um, upwards of $2,000 at, at an expense. Okay, great. That should have been in, you know, back when, before the holidays, um, for sure. Yep. But we, I mean, we've just, there is that ambiguity over the, over larger matters of how do we how do we live with this and, it, and and it's not just the federal government i am i i would extend this problem as well down to the provincial i mean we're told oh we're in lockdown 
Okay, what's that mean? Only essential services. Okay, what are essential? Oh, you decide. And uh, you know, which is which is utterly ludicrous. Uh, well, I'm going to say two things quickly. Sorry, I'll just interrupt you. Uh, apologize. <laughs> um, the first one, I always like to point out when I'm about to criticize liberals because uh, because I have been a liberal <laughs> and I want to pr- I want to prove to the world that I, that I'm I'm willing to stick Pr- it to equally. Yeah, well, I'm proudly willing to be rude to all of them. Um, I think uh, we we have been uh, complimentary in some regards with uh, to do with the the liberal response to COVID. Um, I think in regard to this travel thing, that they've made the same mistake as the province have of, of exactly that. It's ambiguity. There's no space for ambiguity in in rules to do with with spreading a disease if you say you we'd rather you don't do this but it's still legal people will do it because they are human and fallible and they will make excuses and they'll find i think well you know what our house is flooding that's kind of a big deal and that's that's an arguable point there are people who will make the same judgments based on less well, there are people who just go on holiday. Let's face it. Now, I mean, it's like you know, Rod Phillips wasn't breaking the law either. Uh, he was he was breaking every expectation of, of a of a politician at the moment. Um, but no laws were broken. Um, just take that out of the equation. Say, you know, we appreciate this is this is a a, a massive uh, restriction on our normal civil liberties. But this is an emergency, the like of which comes, hopefully, not much more than once a century. Um, so, you know, sometimes that's what's required. Whatever you do, take the ambiguity out of it. Um, and the liberals made that mistake, and I, I think they just, like you said, they should just, okay, no traveling, um, unless there is, these are the reasons for which you can travel. Your house is just burnt down. Your relative has died. Your blah, blah, blah. Right. Then you can travel. Everybody understand knows where they stand. Then we can get on with that. Um, and you know, every step of the way where we've had ambiguity or given people the ability to bend the rules, again, it's like humans are humans, right? Humans will do what humans do, which is try and interpret things in the most positive way possible for their own circumstances. We all do it, you know. Um, you know, and that's it. It's. I don't maybe it's a, the problem with the Canadian public is that we we don't allow for that nuance to happen from our politicians. Maybe the, our politicians, you know, maybe Justin Trudeau and maybe Doug Ford are too scared to just sit there and say, "No, you can't do this." No, I'm saying no, and you know, it's it's hard to to justify, and it's hard and, and it's hard to say. You know that we, you know, we we're not we're looping this in because it's similar, similar to this or that. It, it's it's hard, and I, I mean, I look at the the provincial response with we're going to lockdown only essential services. What's essential? You decide. And the the rationale was, um, oh well, whatever's essential in Toronto isn't going to be essential. The same essential in Timmins, and I got to thinking, no, it pretty much is. Um. Like what? What? Like, can you think about like what's essential to live? Okay, you need to feed yourself, and you need to make sure that you have proper shelter. You need to be able to look after your house. Um, yeah, so food, food, fuel, 
Yeah. Um, and, and, what's and, its hype? And then, and then, you know, uh, obviously, you know, emergency services. Other than that, like, what else is really required to be open? Like a, an actual brick and mortar store open. Everything else, I'm pretty sure, could be done uh, online. And I'm and also talking about all the other in, surrounding industries that feed into it. So you have your farmers, um, lumber, construction materials, all that stuff. I get that needs to be done. Um. But, you know, we, we at the start, when we had the first lockdown way back in, well, almost this time last year, uh, we, you know, we got a big detailed list of like, the, this is what's considered essential. This is, this is, if you're in this industry, you're permitted to stay open. If you're not, stay home. And I thought, why can't we do that the same? Like, I, I'm honestly puzzled as to what is so different in Timmins that you can't say, yes, what's essential to live in Toronto is also essential to live in Timmins. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm it's the government's job to make those decisions, you know, it's, yeah. And they can, as, as you pointed out, they completely undercut their own argument because it's like, well, that's, you're saying you can't do something that you literally did six months ago, Mm. uh, well, nine months ago. Um, so, so what gives, and no one complained at the time. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, people, some people did complain. I mean, it was going to have complainers. Some people. Yeah, some we th- complain. Some <laughs> more things to be shut down. Yeah, well, absolutely. <laughs> That's why we're getting the big bucks, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll, we'll we'll sell the Patreon afterwards. But <laughs> but, but I mean, like with that ambiguity, and you know, well, what's essential? Um, we're talking just off before we aired. Uh, we started to record in Hamilton, and again, this ties back to previous episodes of the Nine of Fiverr. Um, Hamilton is a is a small niche industry of making those Hallmark Christmas films that you see every year. And but in order to see the 2021 Christmas films, whatever they're gonna be, they need to film now. Well, all of a sudden, for some reason, they've been declared essential. And you can drive around Dundas or Hamilton and see uh film sets set up to record, you know, re- record uh these these horrible christmas flicks <laughs> oh, i'm gonna well they're horrible now because i'm like oh, yeah, yeah. yeah my, my editorial show bias showing yeah. but i mean i was like <laughs> are, are they essential really like and it's just like and they're like yeah we can you know we can we we declared ourselves essential and it's like come on like like who are you upsetting doug by saying no, yes, I I understand the film the film and arts industries employ thousands and they make they generate millions if not billions of dollars for the for the uh, 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 for the province and it is a good thing. I am in favor of the arts, just not right now. Yeah, it, it, it's difficult to see how how a, a movie can be essential, um, uh. Or more essential than, than than the stage plays that have been cancelled, or the stand-up comedians, or the uh, all the other um, people working in the arts who who are, right. you know, the, who are basically the first to stop having work and will be the last to get work again. Um, um, you know, who are really in a sucky position. Um, but you know, th- those people who are in those industries. Uh, well, certainly from the various podcasts I, I listen to, they're also some of the biggest supporters of the lockdown um, because they tend to be kind of th- 
thoughtful, right on kind of people. And they're like, yeah, my, my career is screwed. Um, but stay home everybody. Um, because we want to stay alive. Um, it's like, well, if they can do it, so can a lot of uh, other people. But um, it's, it's just, I'm, I, I don't mean we're just getting tired of repeating it. I don't, but it, yeah, I mean, it's just this ambiguity and this reluctance to actually put paper, uh, pen to paper and write down a list of this is what is safe to do and not safe to do is coming back and hurting us. And I think that's what happened with, um, again, bring it back. It, it, what happened with chief Tanner is that there wasn't pen to paper in terms of you cannot leave the gun. You, you must have clearance from the minister of health or the minister of, of transportation or something to leave the country. I don't know. I'm, I'm just, spitballing here but you know there's there's no there's no clear written down this this you can and this you can't leave for and well and i think the the yeah i mean i think the point um councillor noel would make if he were here was that according to the procedures that the chief was meant to take that are currently in place uh, within the the police uh, service within the halton pd the chief did what was required of him. He he asked um, the person he felt he need. Well, the, the person that the regulation said he needed to ask. Uh, so again, you well, you have to recognise someone doing uh, acting according to the rules as as they believe have been set down. And it, it, it's you do have to even while you say I. Believed that was a mistake, and Councillor Crow was very um, forthright in his uh, in, in how he termed that uh, that mistake. You know the extent of that mistake uh, that he felt. You still need to kind of. You still need to. You have to. You, you know. You simply can't can't change the the the, the goalposts on someone and say, "Well, the, these are the nowhere is this written down." Um, specifically, is it not written down? Specifically, you followed the rules as they were written down, and yet we're still gonna um, say, "See you later." Um, well, essentially, we, uh, might, uh, 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 we might yeah, need sorry, we might need to write down some new rules until we're all vaccinated. Which, well, yeah, I mean that, that's that's it, like. I, I guess my, my, you know, the, the the fear is like, oh, when you get you need to get rushed to get the vaccination, and you know, somebody it's always somebody's fault that we're not getting vaccinated quickly enough. Um, the, the I don't know, like we're it, it's going to be a while, regardless, to get everybody vaccinated that we're at a level that we can fully lift all the restrictions and get back to business as usual. Uh, until that happens we need leadership to write down we can and cannot do these things you can put in a caveat when the state of emergency is lifted and we can you know something along those lines but you know we're, we're, it's going to be a lot harder to control this thing if everybody's able to determine their own level of essentialness I, I, and i think well, let's put it this way. My, my feeling as of this moment from coming from the position of zero medical training and um, and getting an awful lot of my facts from Twitter, <laughs> uh, my position uh, based on that is that if we 
if we don't really keep on top of this, the darkest days are ahead of us, not behind us. Mm-hmm. Uh, vaccine be damned. Um, because if, if, if we let the new strains get out of control, um, the people who we've, who we have uh, in Canada, at least to a large extent, you know, our, our parents, our uh, those vulnerable people who who uh, have still been going to stores, if if not very often, um, they are going to be mown down by by a more infectious uh, version of this virus in a horrible fashion. So we. Now, someone's making the point today that since the UK is locked down, despite new strains, they have uh, really um, significantly uh, uh, reduced the spread. And and, uh, so, you know, although there are new strains, there's good evidence to show that what we're doing uh, is the right thing and does have an effect. Um, So, but that, that just makes the point I'm trying to make even more clear in that we, we, we can't get we can't do what we did in fall we, we we can't get soft on this thing it doesn't it hasn't worked it doesn't work um all that happens is you end up locking down a couple of weeks later it's like you know if 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 we'd got this thing if we if we'd been you know kind of taking the australian model in september october this thing would probably be kind of not really a thing right now mm-hmm. but we, we didn't go that route and here we are all sitting at home again um for for, for what looks like months on end i mean you, again we were mentioning before we came on about uh march break and someone saying march break it's like seriously anybody thought it wasn't cancelled anyway <laughs> well I, I find i find it i mean i i have kids young kids and uh one is in the uh, the school system, and they yeah I mean like the the notion of uh, oh we might need to cancel March break to make up for lost time and I'm saying like what where have you been like what lost time like what lost time has been going on here you know I I'll uh, my maybe this is anecdotal but from what I've heard is that. Teachers this time around have really stepped up. They have figured out the kinks in the armor, if you will, uh, in terms of uh, online learning, and they're trying to make it work as best you can. Uh, and they're doing a damn fine job of it, uh, at least my perspective has been. And, I mean, it's not perfect. It's not ideal. I mean, we all want traditional in-classroom in learning to take place, but this is a fine alternative for the time being. Um, it's not the case for everyone. I've heard from some parents that some kids are thriving. Some kids are not They're They're really suffering their mental health. And I, I get it. I mean, that, that as a parent, that would just, you hate that. I, 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 I do get it. My problem is that this, this government tends to rush decisions. They, they don't, rather than being able to say, let's help you out. Let's co- coax it through a few more weeks, one more month get those numbers where we need them to be. And then we, we can all enjoy it. It's I, I, w- I want to be the hero. Now I, I want, I want my dessert right now. I don't want to put in the work and uh, it, it's, it's not an envious decision. I'm not saying that well, we have to do it, but I, it's this, that's been the kind of the track record as far as I've seen uh, from this uh, provincial government so far. Yeah. I don't really have enough words to, to say how, 
awful, I think. Their response has been ever since about May um, when they thought they had it beat. Um, it, it's just been a prolonged car crash, um, you know, and, and with the disease around until vaccine came, we were pretty guaranteed to have a few fender benders, right? But we didn't need to plow into <laughs> the kind of 100-car pileup that, that, that we seem to have almost orchestrated as if by design. Um, uh, it, it, it drives me mad. It drives me mad. People are dying. People have died who did not need to die. Um, um, you know, it, it, it's... And... and you know, as someone made the point today, uh, that people said, "Well, you know, Canada's not like Australia. It's not like New Zealand. Um, you know, we're not surrounded by a large body of water. Well, nor is Nova Scotia and New Brunswick. But they've managed to do it. Um, it's uh, and sure they're smaller, um, but it's really that you know, Nova Scotia and New Brunswick said, you know, basically, don't come here uh, from other provinces. We are now shut off from the rest of Canada unless you go and uh, stay for two weeks. Like, you know, we're in Ontario, we're, we're getting uh, instances of the South African virus. It's like, well, who the hell came from South Africa <laughs> in the last few weeks? Well, Why I mean, are they here? Well, that goes that again goes up to the federal government of like how are how are they getting into our our country? Um, and, and I mean that, that sounds xenophobic, and I, I don't want it to be, but it does make the question like who who like who is so essential that we have to let them into the country right now? And they all want to think of like if you're a doctor coming in with like I have you know research papers to share with colleagues that we can you know perform experiments or whatever it's just it's i i don't know it's 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 just this like our canadian nicety like we're just we're so afraid of offending somebody or just getting into an argument that you know we just do this passive aggressiveness and we don't we don't put our foot down and say no this is not going to happen because i don't i don't know any business travel that needs to happen pretty much right now we're realizing, Hey, it all can be done on a zoom call or through email. Um, yeah. Even, even, even an awful lot of emergencies can be dealt with via zoom and email. Um, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's not ideal. You'd probably much rather do it in person, but you know, uh, um, well, I mean, I, you know, I, I live here, uh, myself and my siblings are dealing with um, well, property sale that ain't going to be happening anytime soon in the UK um, of, of the place where my mother previously lived. Um, and oh boy, don't get me started on that one, but anyway. Right. <laughs> um, but you know, uh, uh, none of us are traveling anywhere to, 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 to deal with those things. We're doing it via email and Zoom and the rest of it. Um, yeah, it, it, it seems like, um, it seems like, you know, whoever, you know, even if there was a good reason for someone to come from South Africa, they should have been in two weeks quarantine anyway. How, how, how are we letting, and it, it comes back to the long-term care thing too. And, and you know, we, we've probably talked over long uh, today on, on this subject and has kind of dominated so many of our episodes, you know, someone. I'd love someone to tell me 
how the disease is finding its way in so easily into long-term care when it seems completely achievable based on what we're seeing in the hospitals, which are very simple, in fact, far larger entities than our long-term care places are to keep the disease out of wards they don't want it to be in. Um, now, you know, and that's not perfect. There have been outbreaks in hospitals, well, many outbreaks in hospitals and in wards, but compared to the kind of calamity that's happened in so many long-term care places, it's been controllable. So what's different? Someone tell me what's different. Rather than saying, this is a disgrace, this has happened. Well, yeah, it is a disgrace, and we should all be deeply, deeply ashamed that we've let this happen. But someone at least give me an inkling of how it's happening well, when family members aren't going in there so well the you know the it comes down to this like we're we're, we're right now we're at this finger pointing phase the federal government's pointing at the at the provincial government for the failures of the long-term care home situation the provincial government is pointing their fingers at the federal government for this porous air travel border allowing people to come in the problem is this they're both right. They're, they're, they're both pointing out f- the failures of both levels of government. And, but one doesn't excuse the other. And that's the frustrating part is like, okay, like clean up instead of finger pointing at each other and saying, you're, you know, you'd screwed up here. It's this what about ism, uh, that, that takes root in politics. It's like, just shut up and fix the problem. Yeah, like you've got your like the province. You have your problem with long term care homes and getting the vaccines in people's arms, uh, in a timely manner. The federal government, you need to clamp down on this travel issue because clearly we got too many people. the The airports are a revolving door of people coming in and out of the country, and we got to shut it down. Hopefully, they'll get this two thousand dollar cost of extra stay on top of your travel. Hopefully, that will mitigate it a lot. However. Where, where where did that collaborative effort go when this thing first hit? You know, when yeah, Krista Freeland and Doug Ford patting each other on the back, calling each other their best buddies, and you know, just shit got done, right? Like it, there was a problem. Okay, money's coming out. Boom, problems puts into place, and the problem got solved. I'm like wow, this is this is how go- this is how government is supposed to act. And all of a sudden, somehow in the last nine months, that went by the wayside, and we're now back to finger pointing. Um, as opposed to actually sitting down and doing the problem or solving the problem. Yep. yep. And it's just, uh, and we're, and the, and the sad thing is, is we're left here. You and I are left and you get into this like, oh, well, you know, Rod, Rod Phillips left the country and Steve Tanner left the country and we should, you know, string them up and, and blame them. Like, yeah, we could, we could, we, like we, we could, we could take all the faults and all of the the anger that we have and the frustrations and the 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 helplessness that we all feel over the situation and we could hang up Rod Phillips uh at, at Queens Park we could take Steve Tanner and hang him up at the the regional offices and say you know he's to blame for all the failures that our leaders have done and got us to this point or we can actually demand something of our leaders to say fix the problems that you're creating and yeah, I think that's a brilliant point that, that and maybe that sums up perfectly this whole discussion we've had around this, that 
we're all feeling frustrated and angry. Goodness knows there's good reason for that. But is Rod Phillips even, you know, I'm, I'm really going for the most egregious case. Is Rod Phillips really the most guilty person in this, this whole mess compared with the Minister of Long-Term Care, um, who has abjectly failed in every aspect of her job for the last nine months to, well, almost a year, who deserves firing so many times over. We're, we're going to go after Rod Phillips. He did a deeply dumb thing, and he, yes, he deserved to lose his job, but why is it that we cannot focus on, on, on things that absolutely matter more? Uh why you know, is Rod Phillips just going on a vacation as bad as the government sitting on billions of dollars, which this is a fact I've read that I have not checked yet. So bear that with, um, um, so use it with caution, but uh, certainly one journalist was alleging that in a, in a few weeks that kind of that ticks over at that point, it goes into the, um, it goes into paying down the deficit, those billions of dollars, uh, it's like 6 billion, something like that. Uh, six billion—the kind of money that was used to bail out um, uh, uh, General Motors. Uh, I think it was General Motors only a only a, you know a bit over a decade ago. Um, we, you know, going on calling it a witch hunt is probably not the right phrase or the it's, right. It's a distraction. Way to express it. It it's is a, a distraction, distraction, and we're distracting ourselves from, yeah. from what really matters. Um, we're taking our frustrations out on on people. Yes, have absolutely made mistakes, um, but it's like take your frustrations out on 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 the people and the entities that are really really screwing the pooch the most. Absolutely. Um, um, and I'm not seeing that. I'm seeing a lot of people complaining, and I'm seeing a lot of. But you know, you look at the polls, and you look at and you know it. It is. It's like that political game that we play so often, getting distracted by a detail when the big picture is so completely different. And so, you know, um, Rod Phillips isn't killing anybody sitting in his cottage on on an island somewhere. Uh, the actions of the Ministry of Long Term Care, um, to put it on a non personal level, absolutely are having the effect of killing people. Um, you know, <laughs> there's a big difference there. Um, well, how about this? Why don't we leave it at, at that for now? Because we're coming up on our uh, our limit. Uh, but I think that's uh, that's the place to end off this episode. And uh, we'll uh, we'll talk with all you folks next week. Thanks, everybody. That's it for this episode of the Nine Hundred Fiver. Thank you for listening. As always, you can send us your feedback, thoughts, and concerns, or ideas for future episodes to our email, info at 905er.ca. We'd love to hear from you. You can help us keep the 905er going by financially supporting us through Patreon as well as PayPal. Visit us at 905er.ca and click on the support tab. As well, links are in the show notes for your convenience. Lastly, you can find us on social media. Search for the underscore 905er on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So long for now. See you next time.
I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.